Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Andrew Aguilar. All right. How you guys doing? How you guys doing? Got to be honest, I was a little worried when Aaron said, we're going to do an outreach. It was like, cricket. I have a note that says, don't talk down to them. I leave notes for myself, like directions to like remind myself I don't want to like talk down to you. I just want to talk you up. So like, don't be offended if I say something like that. Like, hey, I noticed it was a little quiet in the room when we started talking about outreach. I want that to be a seed that's planted so it actually boosts us up to go like, shoot, I got to get excited about reaching people for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's what it's all about. It's all about the gospel. So I love what's been going on today because it's really just like laying the foundations of what I'm talking about. So, of course, the Holy Spirit does stuff like that because he's super good and he cares about every little detail. And if you didn't know that, now you know, and no one's half the battle. G.I. Joe, that's the saying. Come on. Knowing is half the battle and doing is the other half. So um, today... Before I pray, I want to talk to you about three things. The first thing that we're going to talk about today is God's call on your life. The second thing that we're going to talk about today is um, stepping out of shame and guilt uh, and into a lifestyle of love and truth. And then the third thing we're going to talk about is um, the, the mission, the call that's on your life. All right? You ready to go? All right, I've got some time. I've got plenty of time. Yeah. Love it. All right, let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit. He's already here, but I just want you to, uh, let's connect together with him. So let's invite him together. You ready? As a body, as a family. (laughs) Forgot I'm not in momentum. (laughs) Uh, As a family, that's what fam means. Uh, Let's invite him together. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that we can be fully connected to you at every given moment. I thank you for the air that you have put in our lungs this morning, the the presence that we are are breathing in and out, in and out, Lord. I thank you that you, you have not missed a beat in our lives, that we're here in this moment because you've destined us to be here. God, that I, th- I thank you that you're in our midst, that we're connected. I thank you today that it's a day of refreshing. It's a day of reconnecting, and it's also a day of connecting for the first time. So, Holy Spirit, we recognize your activity and what you're doing in this room. We recognize what you're doing in the region, and we see the, the cry, and we feel the pain in our hearts that we actually long for you more. And we need you. We need some help. We need some help with our lives. So would you help us today? And Father, I submit my words to your will. I ask, Lord, that the preparations that I've taken this week and and considering who we're talking with and where we're at, Lord, let my words fall on good soil today. I ask, God, that you would till the soil of our hearts 
so that you would bring your purpose and your will into fruition, God. In our lives, in our families' lives, in our city, in our region, God, would you have your way. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So let's go to Mark chapter 5. I want to talk to you about a story that I'm sure you're familiar with. If you've been in church for a little while, you've probably heard this story. How many of you guys got a paper Bible? Lift it up high. Lift it to the sky. Be proud of that paper Bible because it's the, it's the best kind. I mean, like, I've got an iPad too, but, like, the paper, ah, just feel it. Eat it. Love it. It's, it's the word. It feels like a Bible, you know, not like... I'm going to watch Netflix. Anyways, I got to always say something. But we're going to Mark chapter 5. And how many of you guys know this story about this guy? His name's Legion. But today, I feel like, I, I feel like I've got something from the Lord for us that hopefully it might shift our view on this story. Because so often we look at the demon-possessed man as a demon-possessed man. But my Bible, I, I read a, a few different translations. I like hopping around. I, I like it with translations because uh, there's so much life in, in words, in scripture, in, in different revelations and views. But no, never to like just bank on one, but you always seek the Greek and the Hebrew. Go to the original text, the author's intent. That is important. So I love right now I'm in the CSB if you've ever heard of it, you should. It used to be called the HCSB. They dropped the H and just made it the CSB. This is a, a beautiful translation. But my, my title here says, Demons Driven Out by Jesus. Yeah. Not the demon-possessed man or not Legion. I don't know what your Bible says, but it might say the same thing as mine. But I want to, I want to talk about this guy for a minute. Let's, let's read some scripture. Let's, let's jump into the story. They came to the other side of the sea, the disciples and Jesus. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs and no one was able to restrain him anymore. Not even with a chain because often he had been bound by shackles and chains. He had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. It's a bad picture. It, it hurts. You feel that pain? You feel, you kind of see th this guy. You see where he's at. I feel like oftentimes when we read the story, we just see a demon-possessed person. But when I was reading the scripture, I was like, Jesus, what did you see in that moment? What did you see? Because one thing about Jesus, our Savior, he is never flustered. He is never confused. He's never, um, he was face to face with the devil. And not for a moment did he flinch. So when Jesus is rowing in the boat, here they come. They, they come up to the shore. What does he see? He sees this man. 
I'm like, Lord, what did you see? Because I don't think you really cared about the demons. When the Bible's describing what had happened, it's the story. It's some details about a human, not about a demon. How many of you guys have ever been in a place before in your life when you felt human, but you're just a mere human, but you got all these problems going on? You're crying out and you feel broken, especially before Jesus. Come on, can I get it? Somebody, is somebody awake this morning? You felt like you may have been in this place in the tombs and on the mountain. You're crying out. You feel like no one hears you. People your whole life have been trying to bind you up, put chains around you, and you're trying to break them off and you're crying out continuously. Come on, anybody. Anybody there? Anybody ever not been with Jesus before? Because I'm sure you felt like this, and maybe even sometimes you feel like it now. So what did Jesus see? When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran, he knelt down before him, and he cried out with a loud voice. What do you have to do with me. Jesus, son of the most high God, I beg you before God, do not torment me, for he had told him, he had told him already. He walked in the authority already. He didn't sit there, lay hands on him and go, come on demons, you gotta get out of here. He knew, the demons knew who this man was. They knew that he was the savior of the world. He knew that he came to kick butt and take names. He knew that he could not stand against the son of God. He knew that he had already lost and he was begging for his life, this demon. And this is the gospel. This is what Jesus does. Come out of the man, unclean spirit. What's your name? Get out of here. So many times we focus on the pigs. We read the scripture and we go, he sent him into these 2,000 pigs and they went off the cliff and they died and the whole city was so, oh my gosh, they were, they were upside down on it. They, they were so confused and they wanted Jesus to leave, which is all true, that all happened. But don't you think Jesus knew what he was doing? How often do you focus on the pigs in your life that have died? How often do we look at our situation and go, what the heck? What were you thinking, God? Where are you? How can you be in this? Where are you? You, you took everything. I thought you were good. I thought this was my provision. I've worked hard. These men have been on the, on the mountainside tending the flock of pigs. However that looks, it's pigs. Like, they're all muddy. Like, they're tending to the pigs, not to the sheep. They were like wannabe shepherds, I think. <laughs> I don't know. They're, I'm sure it's hard work. Jesus cast them into the pigs because he knew that the city would become in, in an uproar. He knew what would happen. Sometimes he uses things in our life to get our attention, and it hurts, 
but we would keep looking at the pigs. We wouldn't take our eyes off of the pigs and put our eyes on Jesus. They had the son of man in their camp, in their area, but they're looking at the pigs. They're focused on the pigs, on the swine, on the nasty, on the muck, on the thing that we think is going to provide for us, on the thing that we're trusting that if we do all this work and we strive to produce, that it's going to be the one, it's going to be the break, it's going to be the top level, it's going to be the mountaintop. Here we are with the pigs, yay. But in reality, we're missing the picture. Bay Area, I think it's time to get our eyes off the pigs and onto Jesus. I think it's time to get our eyes off of what we think is the key to our region and get our eyes on Jesus and release the gospel in its true form. I got to stick to my notes. I'm sorry. Because I I don't want to get super lost because I feel like I'm preaching the middle of my message, but I really wanted to lay it out for you guys in a process. (sighs) I was actually going to read the scripture all the way through and then go through So let's just finish the story. I can't stop. I can't continue. I can't help myself. So there we are in the story. We'll jump a little bit ahead. The pigs are now in the water. They're bobbing for their life. They're dead pigs in the water. The people run out. They're like, what in the world? They told him, those who had seen it described them, I'm in verse 16, what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs. Then they begged Jesus, they begged him to leave their region. They see this man, this man that everyone knew. This man that had been well known because he was literally naked. The most vulnerable state of a person for for however many years, however much time. Everyone knew about the dude in the cave. Everyone knew about, nude, oh man, thank you Jesus. Everyone knew about the guy who had been bound up who had been shackled and chained and continually broken out. So they're like, get the heck out of here. Go live in the caves by the pigs. You can live in that neighborhood with the shepherds looking over the pigs and all the mud and all the nasty stuff. We don't want you here anymore. That guy that was delivered, set free, was not even paid attention to. But the pigs were. As... So they're like, Jesus, get the heck out of here, please. Like, you're, you're messing up my life. We don't want you around. You're causing trouble. So as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly. The man was like, Jesus, please. Let me remain with you. Jesus did not let him but told him, here it is, go. Go home to your own people. Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out 
and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. I looked up the Decapolis. It means 10 cities. Pastor Greg and I have been talking about this a little bit. I pulled up a map, and it totally reminded me of the Bay Area. The region had some water in the middle, some land on both sides, like the East Bay, South Bay, you know, the, the west on the coast, and, and you know, the peninsula, we call it. And then uh, the North Bay, like, it, it just reminded me, like, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, look, there's, there's parallels. Look at the, the picture that I showed you, and look at the picture of the bay. Like, they look the same. They look similar. It reminds me of the story and the people that we have here right at our fingertips, God can use anyone. I can remember the days that I was walking without Christ in my life. I can remember the brokenness in my life. I can remember the feeling of, of confusion and incompletion. Uh, I totally can re- relate to this demon-possessed man. How, like, I know that people were trying to take care of me, and they did a great job. Like, uh, my mom's amazing. My mom is legit. But I had to come... Yeah, she is. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, good. So my mom's legit. She's amazing. She's always praying for me. She was always contending for me amongst, uh, uh, like, my grandmother as well. And, but it had, I had to come to the moment where Jesus came face to face with me. And that was the moment that I, I believe, just like the demon-possessed man, my life was transformed. In that moment that I said yes, I, I, I felt the, trans, the transformation. It's not always about a feeling. It's a process. Look, but that process in my heart, I was ready. I had been processing. I had been processing my brokenness, my weakness, and I was on the mountain crying out. I felt it. I felt that transformation. I felt that decision that was made. Can anyone relate? You remember that moment that you said yes to Jesus in the midst of brokenness, despair, in the midst of feeling alone, cast out? Do you remember that moment? I believe that what the Lord is doing, and this is the title of the message, I believe what he's doing is he's giving us a new view. He's giving us a new view on you. He's giving us a new view on our region. He's giving us a new view on our children. He's giving us a new view on the broken, the outcast, the dirty, the unwanted. He's giving us a new view. So today, that's what I believe. I believe that our views today are going to be shifted. The view on you is going to be shifted. So we talked about what Jesus saw when he saw this man come out of the tomb. He saw a man. He saw a human. He saw one that he was there to die for. He saw a person. He saw the brokenness. He didn't ignore it, and he helped in that moment. 
He knew exactly what he was doing. And he, he gave him a direction, just like he's given us a direction. He said, go. Tell them about my mercy. Tell them about what the Lord has done for you. And tell them about my mercy. What I want to talk to you about next with this number two is there's no one that can do you better than you. Just like he knew this demon-possessed man could do him the best because of who he was, where he came from, what people knew about him. And that's exactly why Jesus said, go back to your people. Because they know who you were. They knew... They know your story, your background. And so often as believers, we try to cover that up and throw it under the rug and say, no, that was the past. It, it, it does not you know, represent who I am now. We, we try to ex- ignore the pain. And the, and, but and the reality is Jesus saved you and your past. He redeemed you and your past. He knows the future and he sees the present. He sees the struggle So the view on you needs to change. We don't have to walk in shame and guilt of what we've done even yesterday. He calls us to be holy, not to be double-minded. There's no excuse for sin. He calls us up. I'm drawing the line in the sand. You, You sensing what I'm doing? Because his grace is real. The reality is we could abuse it but we will never reap the true benefit of the relationship with Christ and walk in victory. I, I like victory. I'm about victory. That's, that's who Andrew is. I'm a winner. I like to win. So in order for me to win, I don't sin. In order for me to win, I don't sin. In order for me to win, I obey the Jesus, what Jesus, the Jesus. <laughs> In order for me to win, I obey, I obey, Lord, help my English. I obey what Jesus said, and I love his commands. In order for us to win, we can't sin. Is that Okay. Can, you choo- can we choose, like, between what, right and wrong? Did I say wrong? <laughs> right and wrong. So often, I love you, I love you, I love you. But so often we say things like, God will never give us more than what we can handle. I want you to know that that's a half truth. There's truth to that. But we forget the beginning part of the scripture. 1 Corinthians 1, 10, and 13. Let's go there real fast. I'm already there. Bam. No temptation. You listening? Are you listening? Hello? Are you awake? All right. Just making sure. I I got the scripture. You don't need to worry about it. Just trust me. Right here. Let's read it together. Just kidding. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. I feel like my situation is so different. Like no one feels what I feel. 
No one struggles with what I struggle with. No one has experienced my past. Look, I'm not denying your pain. Your pain's real. But the reality is, Jesus overcame that already. The reality is, your brothers and sisters to your left and right have experienced the things that you've experienced too. We can't stop singling ourselves out, putting ourselves up on a pedestal, and letting hyper pride, which is what it is, or hyper humility, make us go like, oh, I'm special. That's why I have a longer process than everybody else. No. There's no temptation that has come upon you. There's no sin in your life that you've had to face that nobody else has had to face. It's common. Do you think Jesus is surprised? He's not. He's not surprised by our sin. This is his promise. God is faithful. He will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But we got to finish the scripture. He can never give you more than you can handle. Yeah, it's true. But you got to pay attention to him. You got to keep your eyes fixed on him. You have to make sure that you're, you're in line with him, spending time with him, in your word with him, worshiping and praising him. Yes, I love the song, All I Did Was Praise, All I Did Was Worship. Yeah, it's not about strife, it's about being connected. It's not about giving up and just putting on a worship song and everything's gonna go right in the world. It's about, oh, you got to get into the word and connected with Jesus. Get your eyes fixed on him and off of the bottle of alcohol. You got to get your eyes fixed on him and off of marijuana. You got to get your eyes fixed on him and off of pornography. Got to get your eyes fixed on him and off of Xbox, off of your job, off of spending time not with your family, off of spending time in places you shouldn't be with people you shouldn't be with and on him. It's too quiet. It's too quiet. (laughs) Sorry. Because if we're not fixed on him, we'll miss it. We'll miss the provision. The provision to the problem, which says he will also provide a way out so that you will be able to bear it. You won't be able to bear it. You won't be able to overcome temptation. You won't be able to overcome the anxiety if you're disconnected. We can sing as many worship songs as we want. Kick our heels up in the air and do a little heel click. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm just worshiping. But if we don't do diligence in his word, if we don't do diligence with our relationship with him, it'll fall apart. You will continually struggle with temptation. You will continually allow the overcoming of temptation. And you will not be able to overcome the enemy. So in order to win, we got to be connected. I wasn't even in my notes. No more excuses. Because we make excuses when we're not connected. All right. A little bit of time left. Ready for number three? All right. Number three, which is our mission, our purpose. 
But I phrased it like this, we cannot rob people of the gospel. We can't rob people of the gospel. We, as believers in Jesus, if you have accepted him as your savior and you have chosen to follow him, you cannot rob people of the gospel. Say, Andrew, what does that even mean? That sounds really impossible. If somebody wants to give them the gospel, they can just do it. And God says that he'll always bring people the gospel before they die at least, right? Like, look, it's your job. This is your purpose. See, when the, when the demon-possessed man got transformed, his job was to go and transform. His job was to go and tell the people about the Lord's mercy. He said, you remember me? You remember these cuts that I had on my arms because I was trying to cut these demons out and I was crying out all the time? I was lonely. I was outcast. Everyone knew my name, but I felt like I didn't even recognize myself. I was so overtaken by anxiety, so overtaken by, by uh, just torment. You remember me? I want to tell you what happened. I want to tell you that Jesus, you know, that guy who has been driving people crazy, he's flipping tables, he's talking about he's the son of God. That guy did this. He's the one who, who transformed my life. I love, I love St. Francis of Assisi. I love it. But I feel like sometimes, because I've even said it myself, preach the gospel and at times use words. I love that quote. But, I hate the devil. I, I have a hard time with believers, and, and I've been, it's, I'm talking about myself. I have a hard time with myself when, when I'll say something like that as an excuse to not preach the gospel. So I'm in the workplace. Andrew, you're a pastor. Look, I was a carpenter before, okay? Like I had... I had that job. But I'd be in the workplace and go, I'm going to just do good work. I'm, I'm going to make things beautiful. And I'm going to show up on time and be nice to my boss and not complain. That's all good if you want to keep your job. But if you want to spread the gospel... If you want to tell people about Jesus, it's a little bit more than that. I'm sorry. That'll open some doors. But look, the gospel is not just about doing a good job. The gospel is not just about showing up to work on time. That stuff helps. The gospel is about transformation. The gospel is about something that has happened to you on the inside that you cannot explain because it's a miracle, a sign, and a wonder. And I believe that there's some people in this room that need to remember 
that the transformation that has happened in your life is only by the mercy of God over you. That there was nothing that you could have done. You couldn't have worked your way up to his grace. You couldn't have earned his mercy in any form or fashion by any work. And it's free because he saw you. He saw your past. He saw who you are now. And he still chooses you. We forget that the gospel is about, it's a story about living to die and dying to live. Jesus did it physically. And we are called to do it in our spirit. To where we live and die daily so that we can live for eternity. So there's people crying out, guys. There's people on the mountaintop. There's people in the tomb that are right in front of us. We will never know if we don't show up, if we don't put the words of Jesus on our mouths. You never know who's ready, but they're ready. So, this is my sign. Anthony's amazing. I don't know if you know the gifts that this dude has, but when I wrote my sermon, when I was prepping, I was listening to one of his, I think it was his first album on iTunes. It's, it's just music. It's amazing, guys. I don't even know what it's called. It's the one we have white and green. Discovery. It's so good. Genesis, I was going to say Genesis, oh my gosh, Genesis is is my favorite, (laughs) Genesis is my favorite song on that album, that's what, like I had it on repeat, it just like gets me in the flow to write, so good, (sighs) whenever you're ready, just kidding. We can't rob people of God's mercy. Whoa. So I believe that there's some people in this room today that you're feeling what I'm saying. You've probably been walking with God for a long time and maybe you feel disconnected, but it's time to get reconnected. I don't want you to leave this room with the same view on your life that you came in with. With the same view on your past, with the same view on your future. I want it all to change because God said, no, you're, you're called to grow. You're called to change. If you feel like you've been in the same rut for a couple years or maybe, maybe even months, weeks, days, it's time to change. It's time to continuously grow. He's calling you to grow. But you need a fresh touch. So that's what this call is for today. I just invite the ministry team to come on up. If you need a fresh touch from God, you've been following Jesus for a while and you need his refreshing, I want you to come up. 
And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your savior at all, and you've heard about this man who was demon possessed, and you look at yourself and go like, I may not be demon possessed, and maybe just ask your children because they might think differently. I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. But that you look at your heart and you go, man, there's some brokenness that I can't fix. There's some things inside of here that I'm so confused by. I just feel like I give up and I surrender. I encourage you to give up and surrender to Jesus. There's no shame in receiving God's mercy. But what there is is a promise of a new life. There's the promise of his grace that you'll be able to continually walk with him and have a full supply. That he will give you tools to overcome temptation. He will be your supply in the time of weakness. He will be your, your, the one who will come and heal your heart in the time of brokenness. So don't be ashamed. All right, we're closing. God bless you. Spread the gospel. Use words and your life. Thank you, guys. Awesome. So um, as you guys are lining up for ministry, um, before you guys all head out, I wanted to, I felt like during, um, well, I mean, you can head out if you want, but um, I felt like God was wanting to pray over migraines, specifically like um, migraines that come from stress or anxiety. Um, I think that really ties into what Andrew was saying today. So if you guys suffer from that, please get in line over here and we will um, have our whole team pray for you guys. So just go on over. Um, we just believe in healing here and we've seen it happen and we know that God moves. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.